Welcome back to the PYP, the Practical Youth Pastor. I'm your host, Chris Hanalong, back with Steve, Steve Johnson. Johnson. And we're back with our special guest, Jeremy Smith from Rethink 315. Jeremy, thanks for joining us again. Happy to be back. Yeah. He is so thoughtful. That little two-second delay is just such a thoughtful thing. He's a pro he is what he he's is. A, he's a pro. He's, he's really, a gosh darn pro. He's rethinking everything that we say. So here's the question that's kept me up at night since I met you. Most of those nights. And that is, what if you're sitting there as a youth pastor and you recognize, you know what? It's not just that I want to start heading down the path of apologetics. I really feel that the, that these kids and these families would benefit from having these conversations. What's What are a couple of steps that um, a youth pastor can take in preparing to start talking on these topics. I know you mentioned resourcing people and you said, you know, let's get a couple of scientists. And I, I know that people are going to look inside their own circle first and then maybe feel a little bit, um, not uh, frustrated, but, um, unready to do something like that. So what are some more, um, steps that can be taken if they want to start tackling the apologetic side of things? Mm, good question. Yeah. Good question. Well, the, I mean, the easy answer which is a little self-serving is, you know, just visit rethink315.com and, um, you know, I could do everything in my power to, to help you after asking you a few questions and getting a read on uh, your needs and, and the direction you went ahead and the kinds of questions your kids are asking or maybe the questions they're being asked. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy to help. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of the easy answer, but a, a more complicated or in-depth answer would be, um, well, I'll tell you maybe about my own journey. And I, I wasn't a youth pastor exactly, but um, I did I did get to teach um, a, a weekly Bible study for about four, almost five years at a local skateboard park. Oh. This is before I got into vocational ministry. <clears throat> this was a volunteer gig. I, I used to work in sales in the for-profit world. And and so, uh, you know, in, in, in my, my, I guess my little side gig, my volunteer life, I I taught I taught the Bible to a bunch of really rowdy like skateboarders <laughs> in a, a pretty rough part of uh, Illinois, and it, and I lived in St. Louis at the time, but it was just to drive over the bridge, uh, not far from me, St. Louis actually. And anyway, so what I did though was, man, I, I started I started surveying those kids, like instead of just interviewing them or maybe asking them or cornering them in an awkward way and saying, hey, what are your what are your top your biggest doubts or objections. <laughs> like I, I would do these ano- anonymous surveys where, you know, I was, I was likely to get more candid, more, um, you know, honest answers. And so surveying your kids to get a re- and anonymously, like really that's important. Okay. Anonymously surveying your kids to get a read on the kinds of questions and doubts they're wrestling with. Um, I mean, nothing's off limits, like a real open-ended survey, like what are the things that bother you most about the Bible, or what are your biggest objections to the faith, or what are the things that make you think maybe this isn't true, right? I mean, just go right for the juggler, and anonymously survey them, and then look at your your answers, and, and by the way, uh, brace yourself first, mm-hmm. because you're going to find out that more kids than you thought have really pressing questions. And guess what? That's okay because, you know, God's not uh, intimidated by or offended by 
our questions and doubts, right? I mean, look at the Psalms, look at Lamentations, look at all the apostles, for goodness sakes. Look at John the Baptist, right, who was yeah. greatest amongst men, and, you know, he's in a jail cell, and he says, are you sure they're the one? So it's okay, right, kids? It's okay to ask questions. And youth pastors, it's okay when your kids have questions. But brace yourself because um, you're going to find out that young people, uh, particularly in our cultural moment, and they're they're just – they're wrestling with a lot of things. So anonymous survey, look at the questions, start categorizing these questions. Okay, so these kind of fall under the umbrella of uh, Bible translations, manuscript evidence, uh, the canon, the historicity, right, or the, the authenticity of our source materials. Okay, so those are that's a, a bucket. That's a, a certain category, or those are categories under a particular umbrella. Well, maybe there's some other ones, you know, uh, the problem of evil and suffering. Why did my parents get divorced? Why would God allow my dog to die? You know, why am I suffering in this way? Why did the people that I care about suffer in this way? That's another bucket, right? Oh man, problem of evil, theodicy, uh, different, you know, answers to those questions might have different impacts depending on, or sorry, the ways that we answer those questions might look a little bit different depending on our denominational distinctives, but that's a bucket, right? Yeah. Let's get those answers over here and, and you just start seeing these patterns and categories. And, and while I think there are some overlap across the world, I do think that these questions are really unique to your context. And so um, while, you know, you're always going to have, you know, you're like your, your, your top three or whatever, I think every guy uh, or gal, wherever they live, they're, they're going to notice, oh, my gosh, like in our space, there are questions that our kids are asking that, you know, Lee Strobel's not writing a book about this, mm -hmm. right? Like this isn't this isn't considered pop level apologetics. I can't just jump online and find ten YouTube videos about this because this doesn't really fall under the umbrella of like classical evidential apologetics. This is more in the realm of let's call it. Uh, I mean, well, this isn't a term that I made up, but people call it cultural apologetics, right? Um, that this is you know these are questions that are really uh, they're relevant to our people, in our moment, in our space, in our culture. And so those are the things that I would really recommend doing, or that is the thing I would recommend doing right out of the gate. Get an honest read on where your people are at. What are their questions? I mean, look, if 60% of your youth group uh, doesn't believe that the, the manuscripts that you know, the, the, or the, the, the copies that you have of scripture, the translations or whatever, if they don't think this stuff is reliable, or they don't think it's accurate, they, they think it's been changed a million times, or they think it's bogus, you know, maybe your six-week series on the book of James can take a break, right? Like maybe we have a bigger fish to fry here. And it's, of course, God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword. And I get all that. I believe that to the core of my being. And yet, if kids don't believe it's God's word, maybe we take a few steps back and, and we, we help them to see that, yes, we have accurate copies. Yes, these are these are accurately translated, and this is a reliable document, and there's good reasons why all these books fell into the canon, and that we have good reasons to believe that the people that wrote this stuff were accurately recording these events in a truthful way. And and so, you know, you, you just you, you got to really meet them where they're at. And this, I'm not saying anything revolutionary here. Every youth pastor listening is going to, they're going to say that, right? It's probably written on their business card somewhere or something or on their website or mission statement. We're going to meet these kids where they're at, but you need to really take that seriously and ask, 
ask? What are their questions? And sorry, that was a long answer to a short question, but that would be step number one, Steve. No, I no, I think that's that's huge. And I mean, just to recap, like you said, kind of surveying your kids and giving them that anonymity so that they can ask those questions that truly are in their hearts and minds. And then I like the idea of putting those in buckets because again, the question of where to start sometimes lingers even when you've started in the process. And so organizing it by saying, okay, this goes in this bucket, this goes in this bucket. And then, like you said, not being afraid to press pause on that study you're in, recognizing that some of these precepts are probably going to be more urgent so that they can relate and believe um, what you're teaching. I think that's great, brother. Uh, The whole time you're saying that, I'm thinking, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. And also, like you said, pointing out, kind of have that ripcord of if there's a major question reaching out to you in your ministry and, and giving you guys the opportunity to kind of work it through with uh, an individual. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And you'll, and, and, when, and when it comes to those buckets and maybe this is step number two, well, okay. So you've identified these topics and they're, they're all in these separate buckets. Maybe it's a hundred questions, but you narrowed it down to five buckets, put these questions in their appropriate buckets. And now you start asking who are the guys and gals that they're, they're experts mm-hmm. in these categories. Like they know this bucket inside and out. And, and, and frankly, it's not even necessary for them to be experts in the other buckets. Like there's going to be some overlap maybe here and there, but who are the people that are paying close attention to these questions about science, for example? Um, I mean, this is, you know, this is an event that came and went, but just a couple of Fridays ago, we partnered with the church here in town and this pastor had been a friend of mine for many, many years. And uh, we ended up doing three separate events. The, the first event was on sexual ethics. We had a Catholic priest. We had a Presbyterian, a PCA guy. And we had a pro-life apologist who uh, were different enough to keep the conversation spicy, but agreed enough to, you know, have some, some commonalities, right, and some shared values and all of that. And, uh, and we just we opened it up for Q&A. We did this great event at the church. Then last Friday, uh, and this was the point I was going to make, uh, we, don't, we had come to realize that so many people were asking so many questions about like science and the age of the earth and evolution and the historical Adam and Eve and all these various theories and opinions. Like, where do we go? How do we get this? You know, where do we go to get this information? And we said, well, um, how about we, uh, uh, we get a representative from the three or four, well, they're probably arguably like five camps, but let's get three guys uh, here and, and let's have them talk about the differences in their opinions and they can not necessarily debate, but they can highlight the distinctives in their you know points of view and we can take audience questions and we'll have a moderator sort of keep things on track. And I mean, we had, we had Dr. Fuzz Rana from Reasons to Believe, we had Dr. Marcus Ross from Liberty University. We had also uh, Dr. Swamidas, Dr. Josh Swamidas, that is, from Washington University here in my hometown. And, you know, these three guys got on stage and under the umbrella of, of, uh, of uh, love and unity and, uh, and under the umbrella of scientific inquiry, man, like these guys just hashed it out and it was awesome. So, so again, uh, step number two identify the people that are answering those questions really, really well, mm-hmm. and then ask them for help. Um, and I, 
I don't know. I could probably go into a few other steps, but I don't, I don't want to talk too much. I feel like I keep talking over you guys. No, I'm sorry. No, you're doing a great job. And I'm sorry that Chris and I lost any professionalism there. There was just <laughs> really funny feedback that matched um, a certain look on your face. And I'm still an, a, a seven-year-old boy, it turns out. So, yeah. I, <laughs> I think it sounded like a... I thought you were just laughing at me because I haven't changed clothes since the last time we talked. No, well, no. you're living in your car. Like, we get it's it. It's totally fine. It's a hatchback. <laughs> Volkswagen. Yeah. It's just sometimes feedback is just super funny. Uh, yeah, no, I, and, and to, what would you say to a youth, to a youth leader? I mean, and, and I think youth leaders, volunteers, concerned parents, I think you said that in the last episode, all could really benefit from engaging with, um, your ministry, uh, but what would you say with somebody that's like, I'm not in St. Louis. How do I find people in my town? Like, yeah, you're so well connected. How do I get connected? How would you guide a youth pastor kind of in that? Yeah, well, first of all, I would welcome any of those phone calls or emails. Uh, I mean, I just, you know, I got off the line this morning with a guy who was, you know, two time zones away, and we were talking about ways to interact and, and to just help one another. And, um, I think that, uh, first of all, the internet has really, uh, <laughs> like closed the gap, right? So sure. if, while it's unlikely that we can meet every need, uh, for every youth ministry across the globe, um, we can help you find some folks in your area that share your values and, and hopefully, you know, kind of line up with where you're at and how you want to answer these questions. And, we can connect you, and um, and most of the time, I mean, this this isn't even a fee based kind of thing. Like we're not we're not out here to you know get rich or, or to get famous. Even like we really just care about kids, and we want to connect kids with the right speakers and the right topics at the right time. And if we can't, if we don't know anybody in your area uh, that kind of has been vetted and sort of fits the criteria that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, then we'll, we could do some research on your behalf and we can make sure that, uh, you know, the next time we talk, you have a couple options. Hey, so what, what would you think? I mean, this is a two-parter. What do you feel is like one of the most important topics to discuss with your kids? Like in general, I know that you said earlier, you know, uh, you need to gauge your kids and do surveys and I agree. And I do the same thing here. But what would, in your experience and just the things you're running into right now, what do you think, feel like is one of the most pressing topics that you would encourage most youth pastors? You probably want to take a deep dive in this regardless of a lot of other things. Wow, man. So, so there are two ways to answer this, and I'm going to go with my gut. Um, I think I think the the practical application of your knowledge and your, let's just say, call it content, I think being able to communicate effectively, uh, to listen well, to ask good questions, um, to listen to the answers that are being given, to look even for the answers uh, or sorry, to, to listen for the questions underneath the questions. That's what mm-hmm. I meant to say. Listen for the questions underneath the questions. I think that, you know, beyond coming up with, you know, like a 10-step a, a point-by-point process for 
um, demonstrating that the resurrection is is historically, you know, true, and that, that there are good reasons to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and, you know, sort of systematizing that sort of, you know, that sort of uh, uh, answer. Way beyond that, man, it's important to just teach your young people um, how to have better conversations, how to yeah. listen well. Um there's a great book, actually. It's an older book now, which is funny because it doesn't seem that old, but time flies. And this book's probably 20 years old at this point, maybe more. It's Blue called Light Tactics, Jazz? Oh, written, yes. written by a guy named uh, Greg Kokel. <laughs> and um, it, Steve, have you heard of that book? I, I couldn't hear you I'm there. sorry. I guess Blue Like Jazz, and that wasn't the direction you were going. And then I spoke <laughs> oh, on top no. of you. So do you mind saying the title one more time, and I'll stay out of it? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what's funny is I actually I, I revisited Blue Like Jazz on audiobook a couple weeks ago, and a lot of it I'd say most of it holds up. Although I, you know, I'm speaking as a you know 43 year old like Gen Xer who was really influenced by the book, but yeah, uh, no, not that one. Maybe for certain people, but <laughs> the book that I had in mind is uh, a book called Tactics by Greg Kokel. Uh, he's the guy that heads up Stand to Reason. It's a really great apologetics ministry. Str. Uh, you can find them online. I'm not sure what the website is, but this book is called Tactics, and it's not about the evidence for the resurrection. It's not about you know interpreting Genesis and science. It's not about the problem of evil and suffering. It's all about knowing the person that's in front of you and getting a sense of you know like where they're at, um, what are they trying to accomplish in this conversation. Uh, I mean, you know, right out of the gate, if somebody just wants to hear themselves talk, which is a big temptation for people like me, <laughs> right? If we just love the sound of your own voice, you just, you know, you just want to wax poetic on a topic. Um, if you're in a conversation with somebody like that and, and, and there's a disagreement there and they're not listening to your answers, they're not engaging with your responses, they're not conceding good points that you make, they're, they're just, they're just steamrolling you. Um, well, you know, there's an approach to that kind of conversation. That's going to look much different than the approach that you would take to, say, a student or a peer who says, I'm really hurting. Like, I'm really confused. I respect you. I want to know, like, what do you think about X, Y, Z? I mean, imagine, right, approaching those two conversations the same way. That's ridiculous. You would never, you would never do that. Like, that's, that's not good. That's not good people skills, certainly not good ministry. So. Right. I think teaching young people um, how to listen well, how to have a healthy conversation, how to have a little genuine back and forth, which is very different than what we're doing here because you're asking me questions that can I require lengthy answers and I'm just going on and on and on. But, you know, like how to, how to really just stay dialed in to a conversation with another human being, eye contact, uh, body language, um, your tone, Mm-hmm. pregnant pregnant pauses like these things are important mm-hmm. right like these things are helpful um, so I think that's that's step number one if I go with my gut yeah uh, now now if I want to be more pra- well first of all I mean you know let's talk about that was that helpful yeah the pregnant pause followed by an actual pregnant pause was helpful life in motion <laughs> yeah that 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 i thought was an impressive no Genius. but uh, 
But one of the things you talked about is the ability to make eye contact and your tone. These are things that are lost in the social media world. And, and it used to seem like it was a foregone, you know, conclusion that people yeah. knew how to do that. People don't know how to do that. So I like that much more holistic approach to equip, equipping people other than just, we're going to give you some ideas. It's actually, this is what your cadence needs to be because that's, what is it supposed to be? Body language is 80%. Yeah, Chris, when you look me in the eye, <laughs> body language is like 80% of, uh, of what you express or however they say yeah. it, something. Body language is important, I think. I mean, 80% of statistics are pulled out of your butt anyway. Yeah. It's true. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I think what you're saying is totally on point. And what I'm noticing, uh, I mean, middle schoolers are crazy. They're all hormones, you know, and insecurities. High schoolers are crazy, too, in their own way. Um, but the more that you draw a high schooler into this dialogue, I think, um, and I think this is something you taught me through the years, too, Jeremy, was, like, the more you're drawing people in to actually realize they themselves are pretty broken. Mm-hmm the the more honestly that they can without judgment without you know these quick criticisms immediate criticisms and judgments uh they can engage with conversations and have a really healthy conversation with somebody that's very different than themselves um and that's that's kind of a, a lost art i guess it's like a socratic kind of way in some ways of just asking lots of questions and and trying to engage with the real issues and let the issue be the thing at the center rather than ad hominem or the individual's character or lack thereof. And like, so I really, really appreciate it. If you were to do three topics at a conference that you think would be generally would fit most youth groups and, and maybe could be even a starter. I know you, you want to do a lot more work or whatever. So I'm pressing you on things that you don't know, but uh, somebody calls you, Hey, give me three topics you think would be helpful for my youth group. And they're like, I don't yeah. want to do the surveys. I don't want to do that. Just give me three topics. Um, we trust you. Here's $10,000 or here's a thousand dollars or here's 500. Like what, what would you suggest would be those three topics? Hey, let's get these out of the way and build off of this. Yeah. I mean, based on, um, my, you know, 10 plus years in full-time ministry and then 15 some odd years just working with young people and, you know, in 20 plus years, just being a Christian, trying to answer uh, questions from my non-Christian or hurting or confused Christian friends. Uh, I'd say that the top three, uh, you know, I, I don't think they've changed that much. I think that, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, although, you know, the light casts sort of differently and shadows look different depending on what time it is. But here are my three, man. I, I'll just get right to it. Uh, first of all, the person of Jesus. Um, who was he? How do we know? And did he, did he really say these things? And if he did, like, what do we do with it? So the historical Jesus evidence for the resurrection um uh you know the, those are those are just really really important topics and i don't just mean um you know like a deep dive on the sermon on the mount or something i mean like the historical jesus like what do we know about this guy inside and out what did he say how do we know he said it what did he do what happened after he was crucified what happened after um, these folks claim to have these literal physical encounters with the resurrected Jesus, what happened in the first century with his church, that's an important topic. And that's, I think, key, center, high priority. Uh, number two, I think, would be 
we would use, you know, maybe we would use to, uh, or we, we, we would call it at one point in time, like we need to have the sex talk mm-hmm. and that would take, take different turns and there would be different subcategories. You know, at first it was, uh, you know, how do I find a good wife and then it, or a good husband. And, and then it was, you know, like, what do I do if I'm struggling with same sex attraction? And then it was, you know, something else and something else. And now we can't even keep track anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. That, yeah. that conversation that conversation, it, it just it just morphs and shifts and evolves so rapidly that we're, we're actually doing a talk at our retreat this summer, and we're going to have probably three panelists with kind of different perspectives and views, but the talk's going to be called, Let's Not Talk About Sex. Let's not talk about sex. How about instead we talk about identity, uh, theology of the body? And um, oh, there was some other catchy thing. We you said. gonna have I Sam Alberry for moment, that but... conference? Is Sam Alberry gonna be on that board? He just finished like a theology of the body book. Uh, well, I I mean I'm sure Sam uh, is a great candidate because I know a lot of folks in town that really rely heavily on his stuff, and I respect him a great deal. Um, but if I'm going to get somebody to talk about theology of the body, I'm probably going to get a Catholic. I, it, Sam's not Catholic. Last I checked, I could be wrong. No, is Anglican. he wrong? Or is no. he? I'm sorry. Is he Catholic? No, he's Anglican. I mean, he works at a PCA church in Nashville now, I believe. But he's on Stafford Gospel Coalition. Yeah, high high respect for that guy. A lot of people that I look to for answers about questions regarding, you know, sex, sex ethics, sexual identity, sexual practice, they really, really recommend him. But um, but no, I, I, I might, I might actually uh, dive in and and take a little bit of a risk, and I might ask a Catholic guy. You know, we had a we had a guy at a panel discussion on sex ethics, and we called it um, a priest, a Presbyterian, and a pro life apologist walked into a bar. I think I mentioned it earlier. We did it at a host church, and we had a bunch of people come in answering, or sorry, asking questions. And um, I had some folks at the end of that talk that said to me in confidence, like privately, they said, man, and I had two or three people say almost the exact same thing. They said, if my priest growing up sounded like that guy and acted like that guy and explained things like that guy, I'd still be Catholic. Mm -hmm. Like we, we, we got a really, really good guy uh, for this particular talk. And, you know, and, and again, you know, it's, it's a, you don't know. I mean, no matter what the denomination is, you might invite someone in that, that doesn't represent their position as well as you would like or doesn't, you know, really track with your students. But I, this is another thing where I'm just a big fan of just going to the source. Like if I'm going to get somebody to talk about theology of the body, I, I'm, I'm not going to get a Protestant. I'm just not. Like mm-hmm. uh, I think Protestants are going to be um, receptive to it. Because it certainly is a better way of looking at sex and sex ethics than the purity culture, um, but you know, I, I still I, I would rather I'd rather just talk with these Catholics and see, hey man, what if what have you guys been saying for the last hundred years? Because we kind of fub- we kind of fumbled this, right? We kind of <laughs> <laughs> messed up this this conversation. Anyway, I lost my train of thought, but yeah, and what's I'm the not third this, one? I mean, look, I don't. I don't want to throw rocks. I live in a glass house. I am Protestant, and I, you know, I spent a lot of my career, maybe even, you know, making some mistakes in terms of how we talked about sex ethics and all of that. But, but anyway, the third one. So, uh, so Jesus, the historical Jesus, the resurrection, all of that. Um, the next one would be 
not necessarily sex, but the things that surround sex. Oh, I remember the title. So let's not talk about sex. Let's talk about um, identity anchors, um, theology of the body, and human flourishing. So that that's that's the thing. Like under the umbrella of sex, I think those those categories are actually getting to the heart of the matter a little bit better than our you know our, our debates you know within the PCA and SBC. Let's say for example about uh, uh, same sex attraction and should we use words like gay and Christian in the same sentence and all these side A side B debates. No 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 no. That's important. That, that is very important. We should debate these things, you know, in-house. We should talk about them. But when it comes to kids, man, let's just, let's just simplify. Identity anchors, theology of the body, human flourishing. If you want to talk about sex, you can talk about it using all those categories, and you can stay away from the confusing hot-button stuff. And then the third one, um, man, I, I want to say Bible, but I'm not. I think that if you get the historical Jesus, you get the Bible thrown in. And so I will say instead the problem of evil and suffering because Hmm. no matter who I'm talking to, I don't care if they're career Christians, Protestants, you know, PCA, charismatic, Pentecostal, whatever, Catholic. It doesn't matter. Methodist. When I'm talking to people that are Christians or even non-Christians – never fails man like if god's so good if god's so loving right if god knows everything if he's all powerful then why suffering why evil how how can these things all be true at the same time in the same universe and so the problem of evil and suffering that is something i would talk about um really over and over and over and over, and I have. I've been, I've been bringing people in to talk about that for years, and I myself just feel like a a, a personal connection with that, that topic, um, you know. And I don't think my my bucket of suffering is disproportionate to the next guy or gal, but you know, having experienced you know some some suffering in my own story and my childhood and my adult life, and even after becoming a Christian, uh, arguably I suffered more after becoming a Christian. This is a real important topic for me personally. And so I think that's one that we should be talking about an awful lot. But again, uh, we don't have to be the expert here. I remember one of the best talks we've ever had at one of our events was bringing in people who had some real, real tragedy in their life that they navigated with grace and and letting them just kind of tell their story. And it, it wasn't the most theologically or theologically like complex or even astute discussion, but um, we had a gentleman who, you know, basically came home to his parents being murdered. Uh, we had a, a gal who, uh, her little brother, you know, her little brother and dad were climbing a mountain, and little brother literally like fell down the side of a mountain. And these are my friends, like these are my personal friends, like I know these people, you know. And and dad had to climb down the mountain to see if his boy was still alive, and his boy was not alive. And and uh, and they, you know, since you kind of been through that and. Then a, a doctor uh, who you know deals with people that are sick and has to you know have hard conversations sometimes with with patients and family and and this was a really great talk. Uh, but then also, man, there there are philosophers and theologians who have different perspectives on this. Um, and I think that it's really important. Like if, if you're reformed, man, let's listen. Let's listen to what the the you know the the Westlands are saying about this and. 
And if you're, you know, if you're, you're Protestant, like let's listen to what the Catholics are saying about this. And it doesn't mean you have to go be Catholic. It just means that Christians over the centuries have answered this, this particular question in different ways. And man, there's a lot of wisdom in global Christianity. Uh, there's a lot of helpful information uh, in other tribes and other uh, communities and other, you know, believing bodies, even if they're not on your, your same, you know, page in terms of how they check certain doctrinal boxes, collective wisdom and amongst Christians over the centuries is just so valuable. And so if I were going to do a, a talk on the problem of evil and suffering today, which is you know, something we're going to do this summer, actually at our re student retreat, I'm going to bring in, you know, probably three people with slightly different perspectives and, and different points of view um, you know, Alvin, Alvin Plantica, the philosopher, his oh, free yeah. will defense is really, really helpful, but man, like there's, there's lots of different answers to the question of evil and suffering. Sorry, I'm passionate about this. I keep yeah. talking longer than I want to. No, no. that's totally cool. And you know, we're going to, we're going to jump back into it on this third segment that's coming up next week. And Jeremy, thanks again for joining us. Steve, as Th always. Thanks gentlemen. <laughs> and, uh, if you have more questions, uh, comments, topics you'd like for us to find specialists or just discuss openly please email us at the practical youth pastor at gmail.com we love getting these emails and uh we love just talking about them so if, if this is helpful let us know and uh, let us know how we can help you in the future so we'll be back with the next final episode in this series with jeremy smith discussing youth apologetics thanks for joining us